thank you for joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in August of 2020. And today we're going to be talking about respecting fish who are hunted by hooks and nets, farmed, suffocated, eaten, experimented on, and bred, sold, and held in captivity in the pet trade. Respect for Fish is a campaign by the nonprofit group In Defense of Animals. Let me tell you a little about them. Started in the 1980s by veterinarian Dr. Elliot Katz, In Defense of Animals has become an international animal protection organization with over 250,000 supporters and a 30-year history of protecting animals, people, and the environment. Headquartered in California, their mission is to rescue animals in need, foster respect for all sentient beings, and spark a revolution of compassion that liberates animals from the tyranny of systemic cruelty and exploitation. Their website is their acronym, IDA for Independence of Animals, IDAUSA.org, and the campaign website is respectforfish.org. To tell us about the fish campaign is Fleur Dawes, Communications Director at Indefense of Animals. She's an experienced communications expert who has worked in the animal sector since 2004 in both her home uh, country of England and also in the United States. She leads Indefense of Animals to grow the organization's profile, gain media exposure for their campaigns, and garner celebrity relationships. Amazingly, Floor decided to stop eating animals at just two years old, and her, her parents were supportive. And animal liberation is her ultimate goal. I love that. Welcome, Fleur. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to talk about this topic because I study a lot of social movements and environmental and animal protection. And I noticed that most animal protection groups focus on the many issues with land animals, or if we're talking about aquatic animals, it might be marine mammals. And then there's all these marine conservation groups. And when they do discuss fish, they're largely talking about them in environmental terms as threatened species. Why did you take a different approach at In Defense of Animals and start this Respect for Fish campaign? Great question. Um, the main reason that we decided to focus on fish is because they are the single most abused group of animals across the globe. Mm. Uh, literally trillions are killed every year by some of the factors you mentioned, the food industry, the pet and aquarium trades, laboratories, and for blood sports. Um, and despite a lot of scientific research now that is showing that fish most certainly suffer and are even capable of um, more complex feelings. Um, they are actually excluded from many laws that would give them just a little protection. So um, they're, they're not part of the Animal Welfare Act. They're not, under, they're not covered by the Humane Methods of Slaughter Act um, or the Preventing Animal Cruelty and Torture Act. So they're exempt from all of these cruelty laws and fishing practices, and they are treated in horrendous ways, even though they are individuals who are capable of feeling pain and suffering um, and, and also feeling joy too. So we've had an amazing amount of support for this campaign. This is the first ever year of Respect for Fish Day. And uh, we've been really overwhelmed by uh, the, the response from people. And I think it's because of what you're saying. Um, many organizations do advocate for fish based on the fact that they are suffering um, from extreme threats. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some very scary statistics out there showing that, um, you know, our, our 
oceans are emptying and may well be empty in you know within our lifetimes but nobody is really talking about fish and um, how how they deserve rights as individuals. So it's been it's been a very exciting um, and a very successful first year, despite the um, despite the current conditions that make right. it difficult. <laughs> right, it's hard to do animal activism in a in a pandemic. But um, and so respect for fish day just started. So August first is we're going to start seeing it every August 1st, but this was the first year in 2020. What did people do to participate given that it had to be virtual instead of the traditional outreach like tabling or having people taste the many vegan fish products on the market? What did you do uh, since for like a virtual respect for fish day? Yes. So that, that was our original plan. We've actually had this, um, you know, this whole campaign planned for uh, over a year now, and it, that was pre-pandemic, and we, we did it. We did um, hope to give people, you know, tastings of the amazing range of products of, um, you know, fish alternatives that are on the market, um, but, uh, and, you know, and hold tables and uh, give out literature. But the, the main focus since it's um, in COVID times have been um, sharing a lot on social media. So um, some of our partners, have been um, they you know did a very big spread on the day so we had um, you know Veg News magazine and Lady Freethinker and um, and uh, a lot a lot of others the Save Movement uh, Animal Equality Good Catch um, we yeah we have over two hundred and fifty partners who, who wow. made a huge splash on the day which was fabulous as well as um, some really you know some of the big vegan super campaigners like Joey Carbstrong um, and others and uh, some. Uh, models um, as well, including Vicky Lanola, um, one of our fashion models. So that was that was absolutely amazing. That was a big focus. But in addition to that, we had dozens and dozens and dozens of um, organisations and individuals around the world contacting us um, to write letters to the editor. So we felt that it was really important to get this news out um, on a local level. Yeah, and tell people that there are. Care, people who care about fish within their communities because um, we feel that that's a really powerful way to share the message so um, literally dozens of letters to the editor have been published in newspapers around the world um, so we're really proud of that and um, we've had some you know like I said it's it's been an overwhelming amount of support we've had and we've got over 250 wildlife rescues health organizations animal shelters um, and advocacy organizations like in defense of animals to support this initiative so um, Humane Society got involved, PETA, um, Animal Legal Defense Fund, World Animal Protection, Mercy for Animals, Animal Equality, PCRM, and uh, the SAVE movement have been absolutely amazing, um, as well as One Green Planet, Veg News, Good Catch. So it's it's really just been astonishing, and it's been um, a heck of a lot of hard work, but it's really um, it's really paid off, and people are really, really excited by advocating for fish. It's great. I'm really appreciative of In Defense of Animals for kind of pulling this coalition together around this important issue. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is fish sentience, but just really briefly, because I, I don't think I need to go into detail to establish that fish are sentient beings, because I've had several guests on the show over the years, such as biologist Dr. Jonathan Balcom, author of What a Fish Knows, and they've discussed fish sentience and the horrors that fish experience due to fishing, which is a form of hunting, and the fact that we greatly underestimate the abilities and intelligence of aquatic animals. But Fleur, I wanted to ask you, what's one thing you'd like to highlight about the capability of fishes that you find touching? 
I guess when we were researching um, and putting together all of our literature, one thing that really struck me, um, there's, I mean, all of the studies um, that, have, that are being conducted on fish and uh, about, about fish sentience are really interesting. And like you said, Jonathan Balcom, and um, I've heard that fantastic interview uh, you did with him, um, really kind of was very um, inspiring to me to understand the, the kind of complex um, emotional world of fish. Right. Um, one, one thing that struck me was um, this study from the University of Guelph um, in which they had trout who they, they had a two, a two chambered tank and there was a door in between the middle. And what they would do was dip in a net um, and the trout would be fearful of the net and go through the door and into the other safe tank. Um, then after a few days, they started to flash a light 10 seconds before they would put in this dip net and the, the trout learned to, um, go into the into the safe tank uh, before that dip net came in so the um, the authors concluded that fish can experience fear and learn to avoid frightening stimuli and I know that doesn't really sound so if, if you're an animal advocate and you care about nature as I'm sure many of your listeners do um, but the thing is really <laughs> a lot of people in this world don't even you know, they, they subscribe to this old trope that fish have three second memories or they mm. don't feel, um, right. that's just absolutely like untrue. Just dumb, like reacting to something in the moment. Right. When right. they're actually thinking about things and planning things out and problem solving. Absolutely. And communicating with each other. Um, they're very smart. Um, they yeah. can, they can, um, learn by imitating others uh, and they can recognize um, the faces of their group members and also use tools as well so something that was very recently thought to be unique to humans and then found actually you know primates and some birds also use tools fish use tools too it's not unique to us um, and I think we've got to give them a lot more credit than um, than we currently do and there's a lot of different aspects of fish suffering that your Respect for Fish campaign covers. And on this show, I've talked about commercial fishing before, but I haven't talked as much about the farming of fish. And that's one of the areas that you talk about. What are some issues that you'd like people to know about the experiences of fish who are farmed in aquaculture? Wow. Yeah, this is um, this was really eye opening for me when we started to look into this and all of the very cruel things that are done to fish because simply because they can and in the name of profit mm -hmm. uh, so the uh the kind of commercial capture and um, breeding and selling of fish is just rife with brutality so um uh, in the kind of i guess nature end of things you have many many fish who are captured for the pet trade you know your kind of beautiful um beautiful fish who you see swimming in the sea and um, on reefs um, and they are captured for the pet trade. And one of the first things that happens is that they are stabbed with a needle to mm. deflate their swim bladder um, because those expand when they are brought to the surface and, um, you know, it's very dangerous for them. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that happens. And then when they are, they're put in these awful, severely overcrowded and disease-ridden tanks, um, they have the water... Um, pumped full of chemicals and they're really it's 
what you're looking at is the underwater equivalent of puppy mills. Um, oh. There's no other word for it. And it, it has some of the cruelty that is inherent to, um, to breeding animals, uh, domestic animals such as cats and dogs um, are absolutely true and happening in the fish um, trade as well, the pet fish trade as well. So um, you have one of the most awful pictures um, I've, I've seen is of the uh, bubble eye goldfish. So you might not be familiar, but this, this goldfish is a type of goldfish who has been selectively bred to have these enormous inflated sacks under their eyes and the eyes are pushed upwards and they just, it's just a, com a completely unnatural way for a fish to be. Um, and it's, it just must be incredibly harmful for them. Um, and then in, in addition to that, when they when they are sick these fish so say for example you know if they've been selectively bred or just because they're in these overcrowded filthy tanks um they're killed in barbaric ways so they can be stomped to death um slammed into hard surfaces or beaten with nets or just poisoned um with these chemicals so it's just unbelievably cruel and um, we would just encourage anyone who's thinking of um of getting fish to get in touch with your with your local rescues because um, they will most likely have resources on how you can um, how you can adopt a fish who's in need of a home. So and also petfinder.com and adoptapet.com. Um, so yeah, we would definitely encourage you to to uh, always adopt and not shop, even when it comes to fish. That's interesting because like thinking about the farming of fish, that it's not just for eating you know fish being farmed to eat but also fish being farmed to sell and keep in our houses and in these tanks um and so i i liked the puppy mill um example i hadn't really heard that that now we're kind of mass producing pets as well as fish that people would eat as well but in both cases they're kind of tools for human um, and enjoyment of some kind at the expense of the animals. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, there's uh, there's multiple um, examples of, of the cruelty that's going on to them. So um, I guess uh, it's kind of a bit of a crossover. But um, I'm sure probably many of your listeners will be familiar with um, Petco selling the they're called better fish, and they are you know they're considered starter pets. Uh, they are kept in basic, just tiny little cups. There's no other way right. to describe it. It's just a, a fish in a cup, and it's it couldn't it couldn't be crueler or more commodifying of an animal. They are literally deprived of you know anything that they need to survive. And um, many I've things. Seen, yeah, I've seen those betta fish, um, and they because also they like you to or they say you should keep them by themselves because they're like fighting fish and. So then they're always by themselves, even if you take them home and you put them in a slightly bigger bowl than, than they're kept in at the store, they're still, they don't have anybody else uh, besides you coming up to the tank from that every now and again. It just does seem extremely lonely and unnecessary. Absolutely. And consider where they'd be in the wild in a, in a rich natural environment with, um, you know, so, so much interesting stimuli for them compared to you know a life in a life in a barren tank it's it's really um it's it's, it's exceptionally cruel if you're just joining us on radio free georgia this is in tune to nature and i'm host carrie freeman 
interviewing Fleur Dawes, the Communication Director for In Defense of Animals. Their website is their acronym, IDAUSA, IDAUSA.org. We're talking about their campaign to advocate for fishes to reduce the many ways we kill and exploit them for food, experimentation, and as pets. The campaign website is respectforfish.org, and they also have a hashtag, Respect for Fish, but with the has hashtag four is the number four, so Respect for Fish as the hashtag. Uh, Fleur, something listeners may not realize is how often fish are now used as unwilling subjects in research experiments and like in scientific labs and at universities. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is uh, yeah, a very sad use of fish and it's, it's almost entirely hidden from us as well because uh, fish are one of the species who are not, um, not covered by the law. So they're not covered under the Animal Welfare Act, um, which concerns animals in laboratories. Right. So they, they don't even have the most minimal protections that are provided in that law. They are rarely provided any kind of enrichment or comfort. Um, and probably not that much pain relief either, because then that really wouldn't be mandated. Well, exactly. So they, the, essentially they're used because they are a cheap living organism to um, conduct research on. And like you say, um, the use of pain relief, it's, I guess it's probably not so, um, not quite as emotionally difficult to cut off pieces of a fish as it is to cut up a fellow mammal but that's just one of the ways that they are um they are harmed in labs so um you know they have uh they can be force-fed poison um or even, you know drugs like cocaine or alcohol um they can undergo um they are kind of given stimulations that gives them heart attacks um they can have their brains chemically destroyed um and uh, even afflicted with cancer. And some of the pictures show, show fish where they have tumors that are almost as large as their bodies. So they must be suffering incredibly. Um, and they're, they're simply given no protections. No one, no one really cares about these fish. They're completely unseen. Um, and it's, it's an absolute travesty. A lot of them are zebra fish, is that right? Like I had heard at universities, I think when I was at University of Oregon, I remember that, and now I'm at Georgia State University, but I really don't know about, um, a lot of this is behind closed doors. You can even work at a university and you don't know <laughs> about yeah. all these individuals who are kind of stuck in these potentially windowless rooms right. um, being subjected to what sounds like they're being put through I mean, giving them alcohol and stuff, this is just ridiculous, or trying to inflict them with some of the problems that we have, some of which are lifestyle problems. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's typical, we do this with land animals too in labs. And so we inflict them with our problems, drugs or whatever. And then we try to kind of, through manipulation, see how we could mitigate that and then say that that's going to apply to a complex human society. Right, and that's really that's really the the nub of it, Carrie. These these fish aren't even mammals. So um, you 
how can you say that force feeding um, a fish alcohol or cocaine is going to be in any way applicable to a human? It's simply not. And we have so many better ways that we can um, explore these issues um, than, than by using animals. And they are simply used. These, these zebrafish, they're small, um, yeah. considered easy to care for, and um, they're very easy to manipulate. You know, they, uh, you can just fish them right out of the water with one of those nets we were talking about. Um, stick them on a table and pin them down and cut bits off of them or put them yeah. into a sponge and force feed them um, it's 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 really um, it's really a terrible thing that we're doing to these animals and it's it's bogus science at the end of the day and there's really some pictures that you have of, of all the different aspects of your campaign on your campaign brochure and so I'm also going to post that on I mean people can get to that at the respectforfish.org, but I'm going to post that on the Facebook page for In Tune to Nature as well, because I thought the campaign brochure was really well done and the visuals are extremely compelling um, at, at showing some of that suffering. Um, Fleur, if listeners are interested in getting involved with the Respect for Fish campaign, what resources or actions would you recommend? We would say um, definitely as a first first step, you can reduce or eliminate your consumption of fish. So that's something right. super easy that you can do right away. Just decide um, not to pick up that poke bowl and instead, um, you know, choose choose a, an option that is friendly to animals. Um, and I eat avocado and cucumber sushi. Yeah. <laughs> no fish in there. I love it. Yes, there's there's absolutely no reason for it. Um, you know, there's and you know Japanese cuisine is um, very delicious. Very yeah, delicious and vegan friendly as well. So there there are many options, and including one of our partners, um, Good Catch Corn, Sophie's Kitchen, Ocean Hugger Foods, Guardian. They all have fish uh, options now. So we are, um, you know, we're living in a golden age of. <laughs> of um, animal friendly fish foods um, that we can eat without harming fish. Uh, so that's the first thing you can do. Yeah. Um, then uh, we would say, you know, get involved in the, in the campaign. You can write a letter to the editor. It doesn't matter that the, uh, you know, uh, Respect for Fish Day was on August 1st, but it's um, the animals need your help always um, just because it's not Respect for Fish Day doesn't mean that, mean that their suffering ends, unfortunately. Um, so you can talk about the kinds of um, issues that they undergo. So in experiments um, for sport fishing, commercial fishing, um, fish farming and the pet trade, whatever's, um, you know, uh, kind of salient and applicable to your area. Um, if you live, if you live on the coast or you have, um, you know, water bodies nearby and you can talk about fishing in your area. Um, or if you have a university, you can talk about experiments um, or, or fish farming. And once this once this pandemic's over we hope that you will um you can contact us um at idausa.org fish and we can actually help you um set up a table and uh you know a, a tasting with some of these uh, delicious fish alternatives and um, you so also have like an information packet if people are interested if they email fish at idausa.org fish at idausa.org then they can also get an information packet if they kind of wanted to see it in on paper. Yes, and I do recommend it. I thank you for your kind words about the uh, brochure. We did spend a long time on it. Um, yeah, it's really good. I mean, I thought um, uh, that was my favorite part of, of the website for the Respect for Fish was the brochure. And I liked also 
let me zoom back up. The title on the front page says, the planet's most abused animals can't run or scream. And then there's an image of a fish just kind of dead, suffocated out of the water. So that right there just really hits you. It tells you they're the most abused animal because it's by the trillions that they're killed and that they can't communicate in a way that we land animals respect and we can't hear them. And so we already ignore a lot of the screams of the land animals. So it's just, as you had pointed out, it's just easier for us to ignore uh, what we're doing to fish. And so they really do need an advocate. So I'm just really grateful that in defense of animals um, and some of the other groups, PETA also for a long time has, has championed fish, um, even though the, the animal rights movement hasn't made it as much of a focus as we really should. So I'm glad to see us moving in that direction. Thank you so much, Carrie. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're moving, moving into a new um, era with these animals. And it, like I said, at the start, the, the response has been really overwhelming. I think this it's a, um, I think more and more vegans in this world and more and more, um, you know, vegetarians, compassionate people who are um, learning, learning to care for fish and learning that fish should absolutely and they do belong in our circle of compassion absolutely um, well that's the end of our show but i wanted to thank you fleur for being with us on radio free georgia's in tune to nature and i wish you good luck with your respect for fish campaign thank you ever so much carrie and to our listeners thank you for tuning in to in tune to nature broadcasting every wednesday at 6 30 p.m eastern time online at wrfg.org and on atlanta radio station 89.3 fm we post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com slash nature. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of Radio Free Georgia. I'm host Carrie Freeman, asking you to please support independent non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species, such as fish. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>